Welcome to worship. I hope you enjoyed the announcements. They have contact information for Kobe and I, and you may have seen a few familiar faces waving at you. And so uh, I want you all to please wave at me now. I can't see him. Can you? Oh, there we go. Um, welcome to worship uh, again on this second Sunday of Easter. Um, I had a conversation with a few folks this week. I mean, who would have ever thought uh, that um, you go to worship at your kitchen table or in your living room, and uh, most of you are probably not dressed like this. You maybe have your sweats or still have your pajamas on, and yet uh, we can come together um, and join together in worship of our awesome God who doesn't require that we necessarily gather in the same space in order to uh, worship him together. And so I invite you this day to uh, sign in, uh, let us know that you're there and who's with you on Facebook, um, and um, just so that, uh, that we know, text us and let us know any prayer concerns that you may have or send us an email. Uh, but uh, get settled in, get your coffee, that's an important thing, and um, get your lyrics and let us join our voices together as we sing Mighty to Save.
And now I just invite us to take um, a few moments and um, allow ourselves to enter into a prayerful attitude. Um, I invite you, if you have uh, concerns or joys, to share those with the folks who are in the room with you. And again, I invite you to email those or text those to us so that uh, we might continue to uplift each other in prayer throughout this week. Uh, but now I just invite us to, um, to bow our heads and to allow our thoughts to focus on God. And God's presence with us wherever we may be. Gracious God, as we gather together on this day, may we experience your presence. May you Enable us to lay down at your feet those things that are weighing heavily on our souls. We pray, Lord, for the many who are struggling with these times that we find ourselves in. We pray for those who are feeling a new sense of isolation and loneliness. We pray for those who are experiencing an anxiety because of the new way that things are being done. We pray for those, Lord, who find themselves on the edge because uh, they may be furloughed or out of work and may not know where the money for the rent or utilities may come. We pray, Lord, for health care workers who each and every day as they go to seek and to care for others uh, find themselves even wondering what they are exposing themselves to. We pray for those, Lord, who have family and friends who have... Um, contracted this COVID-19 and we pray for their recovery and your presence upon them. We pray for those, Lord, who have lost the loved ones in this time, whether it's due to the virus or for other reasons, and have not been able to gather and mourn in the way that we typically do. We would pray, Lord, that they would know that your presence is, or, or, that your presence is with them and that you do not abandon us, but you walk with us in and through all times. And Lord, even as we lift up to you these concerns, we also raise to you um, this hopefulness and this thankfulness for your presence with us. Enable us in these times to um, be able to slow down, to be able to look and to see your presence in the world, to look for what you are and can do in and through this. Enable us, Lord, to open our eyes so that we might see you more clearly. So that even in the midst of these difficulties, we might open up our hearts and our minds so that we might learn from you. So that we might learn to trust you and in, to entrust our lives with you. Indeed, gracious God, help us. Help us, even in the midst of this crisis, to reflect your love and your grace and not to give in to the anxieties and the frustrations of this world, but instead to be examples of your love and grace, um, expressing a hospitality and an openness to all people. Gracious God, in the midst of our worship this day, open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up the very depths of our soul that we may experience your spirit 
and that we may continue to be transformed into people who live and love like Jesus so that we might make a lasting positive difference in the lives of others. And now let us join our voices together as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue in our worship. Uh, let us continue to allow the Spirit to move in and through us as we join our voices together in seeing what a beautiful name.
Amen. I just love that song. That has got such a powerful message, um, I think. And um, I thought today, kids, gather around as um, I want to I wanna share the story of Easter in a little different way, maybe than what we're used to hearing it. One thing that um, I, I missed being able to do this year that uh, I did on, in years previous at my previous church, they had their Easter egg hunt on Saturday mornings. And so I would get the opportunity to tell the Easter story to the kids. I would get to sit on the floor and they would circle. And I shared this Easter story with them because often I find we have difficulty in sharing the Easter story in a way that's easy for our children to understand. Too quickly, we want to talk about what happened at Easter and talk about a Jesus dying on the cross and taking some punishment from God uh, for our sins, and somehow this is supposed to convey God's love for us. And, and while that has been a way that we have often talked about it, I'm not sure it's the best way to talk about what happened on the cross. And so I just want to share this perspective with you. Um, you see, um, the reality is, is the Easter story started long, long ago. It began at the beginning of time, as this song says, when Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lived in perfect, loving community with one another. They so loved and enjoyed the union with one another that they wanted to share it. And so they created this world in which they could share this love that they enjoyed. And then they created human beings. And their desire was that human beings would live in union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That human beings would be God's representative. That they would be God's image bearers here on the earth. And they would help the earth thrive and be fruitful. And all would be well as all of creation lived in community and union with God. But human beings at some point decided, instead of trusting God, that we would trust ourselves, that we would trust our own knowledge, that we would begin uh, to worship that which God had created instead of worshiping the creator of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as a result, we enslaved ourselves to our own selfish thinking. We enslaved ourselves to other gods and things, whether it be greed or status or popularity or money. And of course, what was the result of that except that brokenness and pain and hurt um, and death entered into the world? And God continued throughout the history and the story of the Old Testament. We see God over and over again reaching out to a people through the prophets and inviting people to re-enter this union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to re-enter this loving community with God. But over and over and over again, human beings reject God's offer. We reject God's ways. We reject the offer to live in communion with God. And so finally, God decided to come in person here on earth. And so God came in the person of Jesus to show us the way, to give us an example of what it looks like uh, to live in loving connection with Father and Holy Spirit to show us and to offer us healing and forgiveness and goodness and wholeness, to show us how to live in trusting 
of God. But not surprisingly, once again, humanity rejected God's offer and God's ways. And as a result, as Scripture tells us over and over again, Jesus was handed over by the religious leaders and condemned to death. He was given over to the Roman rulers to be mocked and to be ridiculed and to be crucified on a cross. You see, on the cross, Jesus wasn't being punished by God. Jesus was receiving all of the natural consequences of the sins of humanity, of our own brokenness. He was taking all of this onto himself to experience the rejection of humanity. And so the cross is the natural result of what happens when we as human beings reject God and go our own ways. But in taking all of that upon himself, even going to death, it is on the third day that God raised Jesus up, showing once and for all that all of our brokenness, all of our sins, all of the evil that we can do and that we can throw at God will not defeat God, that God overcomes all of this. There is nothing that we can do that God cannot create new possibilities and give new life to. You see, the story of Easter is about God overcoming all of our rejection and all of our brokenness and all of our evil and sinfulness and showing it does not have the last word, but that God has the last word and that God is love and offers life. It is a way of saying that we too can have this resurrection life. We do not have to be controlled by our brokenness and our sin and our evil, but we too can live in communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we can indeed learn to live and to love like Jesus. And we can make a real difference in the world here and now. We don't just have to wait until we die and go to heaven to live in communion. And that, folks, is the Easter story that we should be telling our children and our neighbors and anybody who will listen. God, has defeated the power of evil. And in Jesus' resurrection offers healing and life this day and every day. Let us celebrate that as we join our voices together.
righteousness alone, faultless stands before the throne. Amen. I think sometimes we forget. We think that Easter is um, a single day, um, but in reality, we celebrate Easter for six weeks. This is the uh, second Sunday of Easter, and I think sometimes we get in our mind that those first disciples um, saw the risen Christ and the light bulb went off in their heads and they all understood everything that Jesus had taught, and yet if we pay attention to Scripture, we realize that is not what happened. In fact, Jesus spent uh, 40 days walking the earth after his resurrection from the dead, appearing to his disciples, and depending on, on how you count the appearances, he appeared to his disciples 10 to 15 different times in that 40 days because he continued to need to... To share with them and to enlighten them and to help shape their understanding of God and God's scripture and of the Messiah. And so we're going to take a look today at one of those stories that I, uh, one of my, uh, one of the most favorite stories of, in scripture, I think, is from Luke uh, chapter 24, beginning in verse 13 and going to verse uh, 35. It is often um, called the walk to Emmaus. And, and it is an account of events that happened on that uh, Sunday in which Jesus uh, rose, in which they discovered the empty grave. And so I invite you to hear these words from Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. On that same day, Two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And while they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. But they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. And he said to them, what are you talking about as you're walking along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place over the last few days? And he said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went, they went to the tomb early this morning and they didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said, but they didn't see Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, 
your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all of Scripture, starting with Moses and going through all of the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road, when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together, and they were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. And then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus had made himself known to them as he broke the bread. Everyone with ears to hear, hear the word of God and respond this day. This is such an awesome story because it begins with these two followers of Jesus who had witnessed his teaching, had witnessed his suffering and his death and his crucifixion, who found themselves with hopes that had been shattered. They find themselves worried because the one who they thought to be the Messiah, they now realized wasn't the Messiah. Their very faith had been shaken to the core because you see the one they thought was the Messiah and their conception of God had clashed and one had to give either Jesus wasn't the Messiah or their conception of God and the Messiah were wrong. And they find themselves disappointed as they say the one who we thought would redeem Israel has been crucified. You see, they had not yet to understand uh, that the redemption of Israel could come in a way different than they expected or anticipated. And as they're going on this journey in their sadness, they encounter this stranger. And this stranger kind of laughs at them to some extent. Because as they tell the story about what has happened, if you're familiar with Luke and the rest of the Gospels, in essence, they recount the story in the exact way that Jesus told them that it would happen three times in his teaching. He told them that the Son of Man, the human one, that the Messiah is going to be handed over, is going to be rejected by the religious leaders and condemned and handed over to the Roman officials to be crucified. And he would rise on the third day. And they tell the story, they just don't get this concept of resurrection. They don't even realize that they are recounting the story that Jesus had told them would happen. 
And so this stranger, Jesus, who happens to be Jesus, comes alongside of them and begins to to talk with them and begins to share with them a, a different conception of God than what they are talking about. Begins to share with them a different interpretation of the scripture that they were so certain that they understood because they were certain that a Messiah would come and set up an earthly kingdom just like the kingdom of David and that all of the Israelites and all of the Jewish faith would come together in Israel and they would throw off the Romans and they would rule once again from Jerusalem this earthly kingdom. He began to unpack for them a different understanding of the Messiah than what they had understood. And so, as he unpacks this for them, I I see them intently listening to Jesus and what Jesus has to say. Part of me wishes that Luke had written a couple of more chapters and really articulated what it was that Jesus said to these disciples about the Old Testament so that I could use it over and over again with people today. But if I pay close attention to the story, you know what I notice? Jesus, the best storyteller that ever existed, Jesus who understood and could interpret Scripture better than I ever hoped to interpret Scripture, after he unpacked Scripture to them, I would have expected the two disciples to say, Eureka, I understand it now, and to take off running back to Jerusalem in that moment, and yet that is not what happens. Now the good news is, uh, that what another thing that doesn't happen is they don't look at this stranger and say, "Man, you are crazy. You are talking heretical things. You are you are talking about scripture in ways that make no sense. Get away from us." I think that's what we often do today when our conception of God clashes with the experiences that we have. Instead of contemplating it and allowing the Spirit to work within us, we run away and we say, you can't say those things. But what we see with these first disciples is that they continue to listen and remain open to what Jesus is saying to them. And beyond that, they extend a hospitality. I just wonder what might have happened if instead of extending hospitality, if they would have said, let's just let this guy go on because he is nuts. I wonder what might have happened, but that's not what they did. They invited Jesus to stick around, and so maybe someplace in their hearts, in the depths of their soul, they knew that there was something that this stranger had said that was true. They knew that they needed to hear more. They knew that their eyes needed to be opened a little wider, and so they invited him to stay. And I find it interesting, it's not that Jesus continues with his teaching, but it's in the midst of remaining in fellowship with Jesus, in sharing a meal with him, in Jesus picking up the bread, blessing it, breaking it, and giving it to them, that suddenly their eyes are opened. And they realize that the very stranger in their midst is the crucified Jesus who is alive 
And in that moment, he disappears. They don't hesitate to turn around. And this time, I'm sure they did double time as they hustled this seven miles back to Jerusalem to share what they had heard and seen and encountered. See, this is a wonderful story of two disciples of Jesus beginning their day with heavy and sad hearts. Mainly because their misconception of God and the Messiah and what God could and would do was muddled up. They needed to remain in connection with Jesus so that he could continue to unpack the scripture to them so that they could continue to understand more fully of God's ways. And then finally, in encountering Jesus' presence with them, their eyes are opened. And instead of proclaiming the one who we thought was the Redeemer has been crucified, they began to proclaim they crucified him. And that's the way God chose to redeem Israel and all of the world. Not in the ways of the world, but in the ways of God. You see, they began to understand that God entered into humanity's suffering and took that upon himself, and that in his teaching, God was inviting his disciples to do the same thing, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Jesus wherever he goes, allowing the Spirit to open up our eyes more fully each and every day, not putting God in a box, but being open to the ways that God works and the new possibilities that God creates. You see, I think today we need to continue to allow God to speak to us so that we can take the God that we have put in a box, so we can take those stories about God uh, that have become so entrenched in our heads and yet maybe aren't as true to Scripture, those beliefs that we have that are as deep as some of those first disciples about the way that the, that the Messiah might work and that we might expose them to Scripture and we might expose them to the Spirit and we might begin to learn that the only thing that's for certain is when we put God in a box and think we've got him all figured out and think that he cannot act in the world except in ways that I think he can act, he surprises us and shocks us and comes alongside of us and invites us to join him in the new and different things he is doing in this world. Christ is risen. Christ is alive, and God continues to create new possibilities for us, even in the midst of crisis and difficulties. Nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing can God not bring life out of. And so may we, like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, allow our eyes to be open to what God is doing this day.
May it be so in our lives and in our hearts. Amen. And now I invite you, as you are uh, sitting there and as we're, we're going to sing uh, Take My Life, I invite you to, um, this is a time when we normally offer our tithes and our gifts, and so I invite you to uh, do that now. You can always uh, drop your checks in the mail. We are thankful for the folks who continue to support the church through their offerings and tithes, but I remind you, above and beyond continuing to offer your gifts and your tithes to this ministry, you are called to offer your very selves to God. So that like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, when you encounter the risen Christ, you are quick to run and share it with others. And so I invite you as we sing, take my life, that that be your prayer and your offer of yourself to God this day. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the
Amen. I invite you um, to join us on Table Talk this evening on Zoom. Um, the link for that is on the email that you received this week. If for some reason you didn't get that email and you want to participate so we can unpack this scripture a little bit more, um, you can text me or email me or even reply in Facebook, and I will get you a link to that as long as you give me an email address or a phone number. And uh, I will get you that information. That's at 6 o'clock this evening, so you're invited to participate in that. I invite you to keep coming back for worship because in the coming weeks, uh, we're going to take a look at some of the cliches that we use and, and some of these things that we have allowed uh, to become gospel truth and maybe look a little closer at them to see if they are true or we need our conception of God challenge. You know, things like um, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. Is that true? Or everything happens for a reason. God uh, causes everything to happen. We're, we're going to unpack some of those things that we just say flippantly sometimes and accept as gospel to see if indeed those are true. So I invite you to come back and to join with us as we look at that. But for today, may you this day hear once again the proclamation of the gospel. Despite all of our brokenness, despite all that we throw at God, despite all of our attempts to mess up the world, despite all of our attempts, God still invites us to live in union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God says, there is nothing that you can do that will cause me to rescind that invitation. God invites us to trust him, to live in union with him, and to allow him to heal our brokenness, to allow him uh, to uh, touch us in our po points of loneliness and sorrow. A God who invites us in the midst of death to embrace life. May you this day know and experience the risen Christ, and may you go forth to share the good news and your own experience with the risen Christ with your neighbors, with your Facebook friends, with whomever you may speak with on the telephone or yell to across the street. Jesus Christ is risen, and he is alive in our lives this day. Go in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.